humor, hilarity, hilarious, and funny redirect here. For the ship, see USS Hilarity AM 241. For the film, see Hilarious Film. For the name, see Hilarious. For other uses, see Humor, Disambiguation, and Funny, Disambiguation. Humor Commonwealth English or Humor American English is the tendency of experiences to provoke laughter and provide amusement. The term derives from the humoral medicine of the ancient Greeks which taught that the balance of fluids in the human body, known as Humor's Latin, Humor, Body Fluid, Control Human Health and Emotion. People of all ages and cultures respond to humor. Most people are able to experience humor, be amused, smile or laugh at something funny, such as a pun or juke, and thus are considered to have a sense of humor. The hypothetical person lacking a sense of humor would likely find the behavior inducing it to be inexplicable, strange, or even irrational. Though ultimately decided by personal taste, the extent to which a person finds something humorous depends on a host of variables, including geographical location, culture, maturity, level of education, intelligence, and context. For example, young children may favor slapstick such as Punch and Judy puppet shows or the Tom and Jerry cartoons, whose physical nature makes it accessible to them. By contrast, more sophisticated forms of humor such as satire require an understanding of its social meaning and context, and thus tend to appeal to a more mature audience. Theories Main article Theories of Humor Many theories exist about what humor is and what social function it serves. The prevailing types of theories attempting to account for the existence of humor include psychological theories, the vast majority of which consider humor-induced behavior to be very healthy, spiritual theories, which may, for instance, consider humor to be a gift from God, and theories which consider humor to be an unexplainable mystery, very much like a mystical experience. The benign violation theory, endorsed by Peter McGraw, attempts to explain humor's existence. The theory says, humor only occurs when something seems wrong, unsettling, or threatening, but simultaneously seems okay, acceptable, or safe. Humor can be used as a method to easily engage in social interaction by taking away that awkward, uncomfortable, or uneasy feeling of social interactions. Others believe that the appropriate use of humor can facilitate social interactions. Views Some claim that humor should not be explained. Author E.B. White once said, humor can be dissected as a frog can, but the thing dies in the process and the innards are discouraging to any but the pure scientific mind. Counter to this argument, protests against offensive cartoons invite the dissection of humor or its lack by aggrieved individuals and communities. This process of dissecting humor does not necessarily banish a sense of humor but directs attention towards its politics and assumed universality, Condori 2014. Arthur Schopenhauer lamented the misuse of humor, a German loanword from English to mean any type of comedy. However, both humor and comic are often used when theorizing about the subject. The connotations of humor as opposed to comic are said to be that of response versus stimulus. Additionally, humor was thought to include a combination of ridiculousness and wit in an individual, the paradigmatic case being Shakespeare's Sir John Falstaff. French were slow to adopt the term humor, in French, humor and humor are still two different words, the former referring to a person's mood or to the archaic concept of the four humors. Non-satirical humor can be specifically termed droll humor or recreational drillery. Sociological factors. As with any art form, the acceptance of a particular style or incidence of humor depends on sociological factors and varies from person to person. Throughout history, comedy has been used as a form of entertainment all over the world, whether in the courts of the Western kings or the villages of the Far East. Both a social etiquette and a certain intelligence can be displayed through forms of wit and sarcasm. 18th century German author Georg Lichtenberg said that the more you know humor, the more you become demanding in fineness. 
Ancient Greece. Western humor theory begins with Plato, who attributed to Socrates as a semi-historical dialogue character in the Philippus P. 49b, the view that the essence of the ridiculous is an ignorance in the weak, who are thus unable to retaliate when ridiculed. Later, in Greek philosophy, Aristotle in the Poetics 14498pp. 34-35 suggested that an ugliness that does not disgust is fundamental to humor. India. In ancient Sanskrit drama, Bharatamini's Natya Shastra defined humor, Asia, as one of the nine Navarasas, or principal rasas, emotional responses, which can be inspired in the audience by bhavas. The imitations of emotions that the actors perform. Each rasa was associated with a specific bhavas portrayed on stage. In Arabic and Persian culture, the terms comedy and satire became synonymous after Aristotle's poetics was translated into Arabic in the medieval Islamic world, where it was elaborated upon by Arabic writers and Islamic philosophers such as Abu Bishr, his pupil Al-Farabi, Persian Avicenna, and Averroes. Due to cultural differences, they disassociated comedy from Greek dramatic representation and instead identified it with Arabic poetic themes and forms such as Iha, satirical poetry. They viewed comedy as simply the part of reprehension and made no reference to light and cheerful events or troublesome beginnings and happy endings associated with classical Greek comedy. After the Latin translations of the 12th century, the term comedy thus gained a new meaning in medieval literature. Caribbean Mentos Starlord Flea stated in a 1957 interview that he thought that West Indians have the best sense of humor in the world. Even in the most solemn song, like Lost Keen Find, Lost and Cannot Be Found, which tells of a boiler explosion on a sugar plantation that killed several of the workers. Their natural wit and humor shando. China. Confucianist Neo-Confucian Orthodoxy, with its emphasis on ritual and propriety, has traditionally looked down upon humor as subversive or unseemly. Humor was perceived as irony and sarcasm. The Confucian Analects itself, however, depicts the master as fond of humorous self-deprecation, once comparing his wanderings to the existence of a homeless dog. Early Taoist philosophical texts such as Zhuang's appointedly make fun of Confucian seriousness and make Confucius himself a slow-witted figure of fun. Joke books containing a mix of wordplay, puns, situational humor, and play with taboo subjects like sex and scatology remained popular over the centuries. Local performing arts, storytelling, vernacular fiction, and poetry offer a wide variety of humorous styles and sensibilities. Famous Chinese humorists include the ancient jesters Chen Yukun and Dong Feng Shuo, writers of the Ming and Qing dynasties such as Feng Menglong, Li Yu, and Wu Jingzi, and modern comic writers such as Lu Xuan, Lin Yutang, Lao Xijian, Zhangshu, Huang Zhaobo, and Wang Shuo, and performers such as Zhe Yu, Guo Degang, and Zhou Libo. Modern Chinese humor has been heavily influenced not only by indigenous traditions but also by foreign humor, circulated via print culture, cinema, television, and the internet. During the 1930s, Lin Yutang's phono-semantic transliteration Yumo, Yumo, humor, caught on as a new term for humor, sparking a fad for humor literature, as well as impassioned debate about what type of humor sensibility best suited China, a poor, weak country under partial foreign occupation. While some types of comedy were officially sanctioned during the rule of Mao Zedong, the party state's approach towards humor was generally repressive. Social liberalization in the 1980s, commercialization of the cultural market in the 1990s, and the advent of the internet have each, despite an invasive state-sponsored censorship apparatus, enabled new forms of humor to flourish in China in recent decades. Social Transformation Model the social transformation model of humor predicts that specific characteristics, such as physical attractiveness, interact with humor. This model involves linkages between the humorist and audience and the subject matter of the humor. 
the two transformations associated with this particular model involves the subject matter of the humor and the change in the audience's perception of the humorous person, therefore establishing a relationship between the humorous speaker and the audience. The social transformation model views humor as adaptive because it communicates the present desire to be humorous as well as future intentions of being humorous. This model is used with deliberate self-deprecating humor where one is communicating with desires to be accepted into someone else's specific social group. Although self-deprecating humor communicates weakness and fallibility in the bid to gain another's affection, it can be concluded from the model that this type of humor can increase romantic attraction towards the humorist when other variables are also favorable. Physical Attractiveness 90% of men and 81% of women, all college students, report having a sense of humor as a crucial characteristic looked for in a romantic partner. Humor and honesty were ranked as the two most important attributes in a significant other. It has since been recorded that humor becomes more evident and significantly more important as the level of commitment in a romantic relationship increases. Recent research suggests expressions of humor in relation to physical attractiveness are two major factors in the desire for future interaction. Women regard physical attractiveness less highly compared to men when it came to dating, a serious relationship, and sexual intercourse. However, women rate humorous men more desirable than non-humorous individuals for a serious relationship or marriage but only when these men were physically attractive. Furthermore, humorous people are perceived by others to be more cheerful but less intellectual than non-humorous people. Self-deprecating humor has been found to increase one's desirability and physical attractiveness to others for committed relationships. The results of a study conducted by McMaster University suggest humor can positively affect one's desirability for a specific relationship partner. But this effect is only most likely to occur when men use humor and are evaluated by women. No evidence was found to suggest men prefer women with a sense of humor as partners, nor women preferring other women with a sense of humor as potential partners. When women were given the forced choice design in the study, they chose funny men as potential relationship partners even though they rated them as being less honest and intelligent. Post-hoc analysis showed no relationship between humor quality and favorable judgments. Psychological well-being It is generally known that humor contributes to higher subjective well-being, both physical and psychological. Previous research on humor and psychological well-being showed that humor is in fact a major factor in achieving and sustaining higher psychological well-being. This hypothesis is known as general facilitative hypothesis for humor. That is, positive humor leads to positive health. Not all contemporary research, however, supports the previous assertion that humor is in fact a cause for healthier psychological well-being. Some of the previous research's limitations is that they tend to use a unidimensional approach to humor because it was always inferred that humor was deemed positive. They did not consider other types of humor, or humor styles. For example, self-defeating or aggressive humor. Research has proposed two types of humor that each consist of two styles, making four styles in total. The two types are adaptive versus maladaptive humor. Adaptive humor consists of facilitative and self-enhancing humor, and maladaptive is self-defeating and aggressive humor. Each of these styles can have a different impact on psychological and individuals' overall subjective well-being. 1. Affiliative Style Humor Individuals with this dimension of humor tend to use jokes as a means of affiliating relationships, amusing others, and reducing tensions. 2. Self-enhancing style humor People that fall under this dimension of humor tend to take a humorous perspective at life. Individuals with self-enhancing humor tend to use it as a mechanism to cope with stress. 3. Aggressive humor Racist jokes, sarcasm and disparagement of individuals for the purpose of amusement. 
This type of humor is used by people who do not consider the consequences of their jokes and mainly focus on the entertainment of the listeners. 4. Self-defeating humor. People with this style of humor tend to amuse others by using self-disparaging jukes and also tend to laugh along with others when being taunted. It is hypothesized that people use this style of humor as a mean of social acceptance. It is also mentioned that these people may have an implicit feeling of negativity. So they use this humor as a means of hiding that inner negative feeling. In the study on humor and psychological well-being, research has concluded that high levels of adaptive type humor, effective and self-enhancing, is associated with better self-esteem, positive effect, greater self-competency, as well as anxiety control and social interactions, all of which are constituents of psychological well-being. Additionally, adaptive humor styles may enable people to preserve their sense of well-being despite psychological problems. In contrast, maladaptive humor types, aggressive and self-defeating, are associated with poorer overall psychological well-being, emphasis on higher levels of anxiety and depression. Therefore, humor may have detrimental effects on psychological well-being, only if that humor is of negative characteristics. Physiological Effects Humor is often used to make light of difficult or stressful situations and to brighten up the social atmosphere in general. It is regarded by many as an enjoyable and positive experience, so it would be reasonable to assume that it might have some positive physiological effects on the body. A study designed to test the positive physiological effects of humor, the relationship between being exposed to humor and pain tolerance in particular, was conducted in 1994 by Karen Zwier, Barbara Belker, and Willibald Rudge. To test the effects of humor on pain tolerance, the test subjects were first exposed to a short humorous video clip and then exposed to the cold presser test. To identify the aspects of humor which might contribute to an increase in pain tolerance, the study separated its 56 female participants into three groups, cheerfulness, exhilaration, and humor production. The subjects were further separated into two groups, high trait cheerfulness and high trait seriousness according to the state trait cheerfulness inventory. The instructions for the three groups were as follows, the cheerfulness group were told to get excited about the movie without laughing or smiling, the exhilaration group was told to laugh and smile excessively, exaggerating their natural reactions. The humor production group was told to make humorous comments about the video clip as they watched. To ensure that the participants actually found the movie humorous and that it produced the desired effects the participants took a survey on the topic which resulted in a mean score of 3.64. Out of five, the results of the cold press test showed that the participants in all three groups experienced a higher pain threshold and a higher pain tolerance than previous to the film. The results did not show a significant difference between the three groups. There are also potential relationships between humor and having a healthy immune system. Sega is a type of antibody that protects the body from infections. In a method similar to the previous experiment, the participants were shown a short humorous video clip and then tested for the effects. Participants showed a significant increase in SEGA levels. There have been claims that laughter can be a supplement for cardiovascular exercise and might increase muscle tone. However, an early study by Paskin J showed that laughter can lead to a decrease in skeletal muscle tone because the short, intense muscle contractions caused by laughter are followed by longer periods of muscle relaxation. The cardiovascular benefits of laughter also seem to be just a figment of imagination as a study that was designed to test oxygen saturation levels produced by laughter showed that even though laughter creates sporadic episodes of deep breathing, oxygen saturation levels are not affected. As humor is often used to ease tension, it might make sense that the same would be true for anxiety. A study by Jovetich and ALA, Hudegem was designed to test the effects humor might have on relieving anxiety. The study's subject were told that they would be given to an electric shock after a certain period of time. 
One group was exposed to humorous content while the other was not. The anxiety levels were measured through self-report measures as well as the heart rate. Subjects which rated high on sense of humor reported less anxiety in both groups, while subjects which rated lower on sense of humor reported less anxiety in the group which was exposed to the humorous material. However, there was not a significant difference in the heart rate between the subjects. In the workplace, humor is a ubiquitous, highly ingrained, and largely meaningful aspect of human experience and is therefore decidedly relevant in organizational contexts such as the workplace. The significant role that laughter and fun play in organizational life has been seen as a sociological phenomenon and has increasingly been recognized as also creating a sense of involvement among workers. Sharing humor at work not only offers a relief from boredom, but can also build relationships, improve camaraderie between colleagues and create positive effect. Humor in the workplace may also relieve tension and can be used as a coping strategy. In fact, one of the most agreed-upon key impacts that workplace humor has on people's well-being is the use of humor as a coping strategy to aid in dealing with daily stresses, adversity or other difficult situations. Sharing a laugh with a few colleagues may improve moods, which is pleasurable, and people perceive this as positively affecting their ability to cope. Fun and enjoyment are critical in people's lives and the ability for colleagues to be able to laugh during work through banter or other promotes harmony and a sense of cohesiveness. Humor may also be used to offset negative feelings about a workplace task or to mitigate the use of profanity or other coping strategies that may not be otherwise tolerated. Not only can humor in the workplace assist with diffusing negative emotions, but it may also be used as an outlet to discuss personal painful events in a lighter context, thus ultimately reducing anxiety and allowing more happy, positive emotions to surface. Additionally, humor may be used as a tool to mitigate the authoritative tone by managers when giving directives to subordinates. Managers may use self-deprecating humor as a way to be perceived as more human and real by their employees. Furthermore, ethnography studies carried out in a variety of workplace settings confirmed the importance of a fun space in the workplace. The attachment to the notion of fun by contemporary companies has resulted in workplace management coming to recognize the potentially positive effects of work play and realize that it does not necessarily undermine workers' performance. Laughter and play can unleash creativity, thus raising morale, so in the interest of encouraging employee consent to the rigors of the labor process, management often ignore, tolerate, and even actively encourage playful practices. With the purpose of furthering organizational goals, essentially, fun in the workplace is no longer being seen as frivolous. The most current approach of managed fun and laughter in the workplace originated in North America, where it has taken off to such a degree that it has humor consultants flourishing as some states have introduced an official fun at work day. The results have carried claims of well-being benefits to workers, improved customer experiences and an increase in productivity that organizations can enjoy as a result. Others examined results of this movement while focusing around the science of happiness, concerned with mental health, motivation, community building and national well-being, and drew attention to the ability to achieve flow through playfulness and stimulate outside-the-box thinking. Parallel to this movement is the positive scholarship that has emerged in psychology which seeks to empirically theorize the optimization of human potential. This happiness movement suggests that investing in fun at the workplace by allowing for laughter and play will not only create enjoyment and a greater sense of well-being, but it will also enhance energy, performance and commitment in workers. Studies. Main article. Humor research. Laughter. One of the main focuses of modern psychological humor theory and research is to establish and clarify the correlation between humor and laughter. The major empirical findings here are that laughter and humor do not always have a one-to-one -one association. 
Well, most previous theories assumed the connection between the two almost to the point of them being synonymous. Psychology has been able to scientifically and empirically investigate the supposed connection, its implications, and significance. In 2009, Diana Shamatat conducted a study to examine the differentiation of emotions and laughter. They hired actors and told them to laugh with one of four different emotional associations by using auto-induction, where they would focus exclusively on the internal emotion and not on the expression of laughter itself. They found an overall recognition rate of 44%, with joy correctly classified at 44%, tickle 45%, shot and Freud at 37%, and taunt 50%. Their second experiment tested the behavioral recognition of laughter during an induced emotional state and they found that different laughter types did differ with respect to emotional dimensions. In addition, the four emotional states displayed a full range of high and low center arousal and valence. This study showed that laughter can be correlated with both positive joy and tickle and negative schadenfreude and taunt emotions with varying degrees of arousal in the subject. This brings into question the definition of humor, then. If it is to be defined by the cognitive processes which display laughter, then humor itself can encompass a variety of negative as well as positive emotions. However, if humor is limited to positive emotions and things which cause positive effect, it must be delimited from laughter and their relationship should be further defined. Health. Humor has shown to be effective for increasing resilience in dealing with distress and also effective in undoing negative effects. Madeljin Strick, Rob Holland, Rick Van Baren, and Ed Van Nippenberg 2009 of Radboud University conducted a study that showed the distracting nature of a juke on bereaved individuals. Subjects were presented with a wide range of negative pictures and sentences. Their findings showed that humorous therapy attenuated the negative emotions elicited after negative pictures and sentences were presented. In addition, the humor therapy was more effective in reducing negative effect as the degree of effect increased in intensity. Humor was immediately effective in helping to deal with distress. The escapist nature of humor as a coping mechanism suggests that it is most useful in dealing with momentary stresses. Stronger negative stimuli requires a different therapeutic approach. Humor is an underlying character trait associated with the positive emotions used in the broaden and build theory of cognitive development. Studies, such as those testing the undoing hypothesis, have shown several positive outcomes of humor as an underlying positive trait in amusement and playfulness. Several studies have shown that positive emotions can restore autonomic sense after negative effect. For example, Fredrickson and Levinson showed that individuals who expressed Duchenne smiles during the negative arousal of a sad and troubling event recovered from the negative effect approximately 20% faster than individuals who didn't smile. Using humor judiciously can have a positive influence on cancer treatment. The effectiveness for humor-based interventions in patients with schizophrenia is uncertain in a Cochrane review. Humor can serve as a strong distancing mechanism in coping with adversity. In 1997, Kelter and Bonanno found that dish and laughter correlated with reduced awareness of distress. Positive emotion is able to loosen the grip of negative emotions on people's thinking. A distancing of thought leads to a distancing of the unilateral responses people often have to negative arousal. In parallel with the distancing role plays in coping with distress, it supports the broaden and build theory that positive emotions lead to increased multilateral cognitive pathway and social resource building. Aging. Humor has been shown to improve and help the aging process in three areas. The areas are improving physical health, improving social communications, and helping to achieve a sense of satisfaction in life. Studies have shown that constant humor in the aging process gives health benefits to individuals. Such benefits as higher self-esteem, lower levels of depression, anxiety, and perceived stress, and a more positive self-concept as well as other health benefits which have been recorded and acknowledged through various studies. 
Even patients with specific diseases have shown improvement with aging using humor. Overall, there is a strong correlation through constant humor in aging and better health in the individuals. Another way that research indicates that humor helps with the aging process is through helping the individual to create and maintain strong social relationship during transitory periods in their lives. One such example is when people are moved into nursing homes or other facilities of care. With this transition certain social interactions with friend and family may be limited forcing the individual to look elsewhere for these social interactions. Humor has been shown to make transitions easier, as humor is shown reduce stress and facilitate socialization and serves as a social bonding function. Humor may also help the transition in helping the individual to maintain positive feelings towards those who are enforcing the changes in their lives. These new social interactions can be critical for these transitions in their lives and humor will help these new social interactions to take place making these transitions easier. Humor can also help aging individuals maintain a sense of satisfaction in their lives. Through the aging process many changes will occur, such as losing the right to drive a car. This can cause a decrease in satisfaction in the lives of the individual. Humor helps to alleviate this decrease of satisfaction by allowing the humor to release stress and anxiety caused by changes in the individual's life. Laughing and humor can be a substitute for the decrease in satisfaction by allowing individuals to feel better about their situations by alleviating the stress. This, in turn, can help them to maintain a sense of satisfaction towards their new and changing lifestyle. Physiology In an article published in Nature Reviews Neuroscience, it is reported that a study's results indicate that humor is rooted in the frontal lobe of the cerebral cortex. The study states, in part, Humor seems to engage a core network of cortical and subcortical structures, including temporal occipitoparietal areas involved in detecting and resolving incongruity mismatch between expected and presented stimuli and the mesocortical limbic dopaminergic system in the amygdala. Key Structures for Reward and Salience Processing Key structures for reward and salience processing. Formula. Humor can be verbal, visual, or physical. Nonverbal forms of communication, for example, music or visual art can also be humorous. Root components. 1. Being reflective or imitative of reality. 2. Surprise, misdirection, contradiction, paradox, ambiguity. Methods. 1. Farce. 2. Hyperbole. 3. Metaphor. 4. Pun. 5. Reframing. 6. Timing. Behavior, place and size. Rowan Atkinson explains in his lecture in the documentary Funny Business that an object or a person can become funny in three ways. 1. By behaving in an unusual way. 2. By being in an unusual place. 3. By being the wrong size. Most sight gags fit into one or more of these categories. Exaggeration. Main article, exaggeration. Some theoreticians of the comic consider exaggeration to be a universal comic device. It may take different forms in different genres, but all rely on the fact that the easiest way to make things laughable is to exaggerate to the point of absurdity their salient traits. Taxonomy There are many taxonomies of humor. The following is used to classify humor as tweets in Brace 2012. 1. Anecdotes 2. Fantasy 3. Insult 4. Irony 5. Jokes 6. Observational 7. Quote 8. Roleplay 9. Self-deprecation 10. Vulgarity. 11. Wordplay. 12. Other. Culture. 
Different cultures have different typical expectations of humor so comedy shows are not always successful when transplanted into another culture. For example, a 2004 BBC News article discusses a stereotype among British comedians that Americans and Germans do not understand irony, and therefore UK sitcoms are not appreciated by them.